Welcome, everybody, to the KeenCast, the official podcast of KeenGamer.com. I am your host today, Sean Rabine. I am joined, as always, by Tim Ronan. Tim, how you doing? Hello. I'm good. Great. And, of course, I'm also joined by David Lozota. David, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right, so... This is episode 19. We are no longer 18 years old. 19 is not a very special birthday. Uh, we're still waiting on turning 21, but we have our fake ID. We're in college. Uh, we're in college now. Well, unless we're, we didn't go to college, but... No, we, 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 had, we had rich parents. We're making it through. Um, <laughs> we haven't picked our major yet. We probably should at this point, but, you know, we're... we're ah, playing, we got time. We got, yeah, we got time. We got... Two or three years or more, you know. Like I said, <laughs> our parents are rich. All right, so episode nineteen, we got some topics today. Not all of them video game related, but to be tangentially related to video games. Uh, and we're going to be talking, of course, about Pokemon at the end of the show because it's part of our topic. But before we get onto that, before we get into the news, let's talk about how we're doing. Uh, David, how has your last week been? Uh, it's been pretty well, uh, going pretty well. I went to Anime NYC, so I got to actually play some more games. Just one game, actually. One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows. Have you guys heard that the, of that? Is that yeah. the fighting game for one? How does yeah, that work? Because exactly. like, One Punch Man's whole thing is that he beats people up with one punch. Yeah, so it's basically, you could pick any character outside of Santama, the main character, outside of One Punch Man, which mm-hmm. is kind of a shame. Uh, but it's also kind of cool because the whole premise is you're fighting against the other characters in One Punch Man. You're using those characters, and there's a timer. When the timer hits zero, One Punch Man comes, and he knocks the, 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 the opponent that has the least uh, amount of party members he, he knocks them out automatically. Hmm. So it's kind of like you have to uh, get to... I don't know. It, it's kind of like constantly playing a battle of seeing who's on top. It doesn't necessarily mean like um, like whoever has most health is the one that wins. Uh, so it's a game of attrition. And it, it's kind of cool. Um, but the the timer is pretty generous. So you, you almost never get to that point where... Saitama comes and punches you <laughs> with a one hit KO. Yeah. Uh, it's usually just you know playing it as as you normally would. So you know, it, and it's cool. It's a good it's a good fighting game. It's a little stiff, uh, and and it's one of those fighting games where if you could kind of land a a, a hit, uh, you get comboed up a lot, and it's almost impro- impossible to break a combo. So that's one of those annoying kind of games where you have to really you know precisely find a moment where you can counter or you can block and get out of that mm-hmm. combo and i always find a, a little hard again i'm not the best fighting game fan but uh, mm-hmm. a fighting game player i should say but it is a little frustrating um i did get a i did almost win so <laughs> there's that yeah, yeah yeah uh uh sorry that's all i played this past week that's interesting that, that Saitama is not playable. Because, like, you have games like Injustice where, you know, you have people like, okay, we have 
Harley Quinn in here, and we also have Superman. How the hell are they going to fight mm-hmm. each other in a fighting game without Superman just, like, punching her skeleton out of her body? Right. And like, well, we have this super serum that makes everyone as strong as Superman, which is the dumbest BS I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like One Punch Man is like, well, Saitama's way too strong. We, we just can't have him playable. Right. I would kind of hope that they would add him playable... In like an offline mode, maybe yeah. like a horde mode, where like you just, just for fun, because that's yeah. like, he's a hero for fun, you know. Just yeah, I, I, it was it's funny because on the character selection screen, he was, he was there, but we couldn't select him, which leads mm. me to believe that he could be playable in the game in some capacity. Just not in the demo I was playing, so I I I don't know. I imagine he has to be because it's it's the One Punch Man game. It's it's he's in the name. Yeah, it's it's his he's game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'd think they have to work him in somehow. So you know, I I I I, I don't know. I'm not. Admittedly, I'm not well versed in the game. I haven't been following it, but mm-hmm. it was. There, uh, it was the first time that I've in any convention I've seen that it was playable. So, you know, I, I gave it a whirl, and it seems like a lot of people are, are really looking forward to it. Uh, the same, you know, amount of people that are looking forward to My Hero Academia. So, it, it's popular. I mean, it's a popular show in, in general. So, um, interested to see how it goes, and if if it turn out to be as terrible <laughs> as other licensed anime <laughs> games like like Jump Force or uh, oh, the original. Jump Force. Yeah, or or the original My Hero Academia. Uh, what is it? My Hero Wants Justice. So we'll we'll see, but hopefully it won't. It, it, it's cool. It, it is. I, I like kind of the. I like most of it except for like the combos and, and and that aspect. I don't think it'll be a competitive game at all. I think it'll it'll be kind of just for fun, licensed game. Kind of like Kill a Kill, like that game that came out a couple of months ago. Nothing nothing too mm. serious. Just just a fun right. Uh, tie-in kind of game in terms of what i saw this week nothing again nothing much just continuing with my hero academia the fourth season it's 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 a great season uh again i I know i mentioned it in another podcast another episode this is a really fascinating arc it looks like from the preview of this episode and i won't spoil too much uh, things are really going to get rolling uh for deku and um, his his classmates who are also interning, so I I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking to, forward to seeing the 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 action scenes, and it's a very emotional arc too. So I'm very interested to see what they do there, how they kind of orchestrate it all and put it all together, uh, and, and how all the you know the new characters kind of come into play. And by new, I mean the people that were just introduced in season three, like Mirio and the rest of the big three. I also saw Ruby, the, I want to say seventh season, I think it's the seventh season, and it's, you know, it's Ruby, they, I'm up to the, in the newest episode, they did the costume changes, and it seems like every couple seasons they do, like, this, this costume change, and I like it, you know, I, I like the costumes this time, you know, Blake cut her hair, and Weiss has, like, this long braid now. It, it's cool, you know. Um, it, the action se- sequences are cool, but it, it's a very it, it's 
it's not the it's not a perfect show. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think I, I mentioned yeah. last week with you guys. It's not a perfect show. It's not you know not something that I take too seriously. Kind of something that I take that I watch for the action sequences and I get my fix for the week and then you know I just it just strings me along. Um, right. And and it, it, it's fun for that aspect. Uh, from a from a storytelling narrative perspective, it's not nothing too enlightening. That uh, but it, it is it is good for what it is, and and that's about it for me. That's all I kind of played and watched. Okay, well, it sounds like an interesting week. Uh, pretty anime focused. Which is fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's me, uh, <laughs> the anime man. <laughs> Tim. How was your week? What did you play? What did you watch? It's pretty good. Uh, let's see. This week has pretty much just been more Destiny. Destiny 2. Uh, that same old thing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got my hands on uh, two new exotics. What did you get? Pretty much, pretty much back-to-back, actually. Uh, first one I got was... Um, I think it's just called the Huckleberry. It's that's like a, a submachine gun. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So basically, that's like when you when you get kills with it, it like I think it refills like half your mag, half your magazine or so. Yeah, it gives you some bullets. If you get the catalyst for it, it refills the whole thing. Oh frick! Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I've, I haven't gotten the catalyst yet, but I'll probably do that eventually. Um, also, when you get kills with it, it temporarily increases your damage that you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, like the longer you hold down the trigger continuously, it fires faster. Yeah. So that's like, it's very fun. Mm-hmm. If you get like a group of like squishy mobs, you can just like, just destroy them all. Just kill them. It's quite mobs. fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second one I got, second exotic was the Graviton Lance. That's also fun for clearing things out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's a pulse rifle. And I I think the way it works is that, like, your second shot, I get, so the, the second shot does, like, higher damage and um, has, like, no fall-off damage or mm-hmm. something. And then it, like, if you do precision shots, it, like, explodes the enemy and sends out, like, seeking projectiles yeah. or something like that. That's pretty cool. I use that thing. I think the projectiles, if they kill something... That also causes more projectiles to fly out. Oh, okay. And uh, I was doing uh, a couple weeks ago that um, that new mode on the moon where you just fight waves and waves of, of hive. And mm-hmm. during the last wave, there's like a ton of enemies. So I used the graviton lance, and it just purple everywhere. The whole screen just went purple. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, That's awesome. Have you been talking to Xur, uh, X-U-R, that guy? Uh, I've seen him a couple times. Because he'll give you exotics if you get the shards for it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him a couple times, and i gotten a few exotics that way. Yeah. Um, like, I got uh, Darcy, like the, the heavy sniper. Got that oh, from yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that one. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I got... The transversive steps from him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've seen I've seen him a couple times, but I think it's usually been by accident. <laughs> well, he shows um, up every Friday, so 
Mm. Um, let's see. I mean, I guess the Halloween event is about to be over. Yeah. Um, it's Tuesday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which, and... to be honest, good riddance. <laughs> it, it, it's just been a big bummer. And I love Halloween events in all games because I love Halloween. So for that one to just be a big, big wet fart noise, <laughs> I was just like, ah. Oh, what do you Christ. like about it? it? It's so bare bones. The only thing to do is the Haunted Forest, which once you do it like once, you've done it. The only thing after that is to try to get to as many branches as you can, but, like, for what? The gear she gives you is terrible. She gives you, like, one piece of gear, actually, uh, aside from the helmet itself, which is terrible. And it's just like, uh, And yeah. the fact that, like, 90% of the rewards for the event are all microtransaction stuff is just such a downer. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Like, uh. I mean, there you can at least get those uh, those epic grab bags. They have some cool stuff in it, at least for me. Um, yeah, you, you can get like some legendary gear and and shards as well, which for me at least is I need that. So that's cool. Yeah, if you're if you're leveling up, <clears throat> gearing up, it can be a pretty good source for uh, fresh gear, but. I've gotten several of the bags from her, and they all just contain gear that I've gotten for. I think it's all gear that you can get from the gunsmith. Uh, Banshee, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nothing new. It's just a new source of it, which is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I, I guess that's pretty much it for Destiny, but I did do... I did play something else of sorts because um the other day I actually went down to uh Foxwoods let's say casino um, oh, yeah oh okay played some uh played some slots oh loosest slots in town it's it's um slots are interesting they're loud they are very loud <laughs> I yeah, like we it's... have a casino near us, like right next to the mall, which is a huge, gigantic eyesore because they parked it right in the parking lot, and then they attached a parking garage to it and then a, a hotel to it. It's just, it's, it's like that um, the Winchester Mansion, that mansion where the the owner, uh, the widow of Manchester, Winchester, just kept building rooms onto it like forever. Like, oh, like nowhere staircase yeah. that went to the ceiling, you know. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is. It just keeps growing and growing, and it's just going to absorb the entire state eventually. <laughs> but I, I've been in there once, the casino, and it was just loud. Yeah, a lot of flashing lights, and I couldn't understand the different rules for the slot machine. I thought it was just like, oh, I just pull a lever and I either win or I don't. But it's like, no, hit this and this and this, and pull the lever. I'm like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah, I, this, I want, yeah. I want the, money, but I don't know how. The one time <laughs> I went, I recently went to a casino was uh, maybe in March or something, 
and I had to have a, an old person teach me how to <laughs> use a machine because I had no idea. <laughs> she was wow. like 80 something. <laughs> I didn't know. Table, I mean, <laughs> the tables yeah. have turned, I guess. You know, the old teaching the young about technology that's that's crazy i mean it can be a lot i mean i mean for one thing there's like so there's a couple different casino halls i think there's like maybe four or five at uh foxwoods each one Mm -hmm. is filled with like no less than like a couple hundred machines it's like what the fuck where do i where do i go (laughs) there's like it's, it's so overwhelming and then like there's different types of machines. Some of them are like what's called progressives, which mean they have like different like sorts of jackpots you can win. Others aren't progressive. Um, some have like different uh, denominations, which is like the, like basically the amount you get paid out, mm-hmm. um, and that usually also determines like your like minimum bets that you have to put in yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. It's just like there's a lot. Wow, there's a lot of information there. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole economy, essentially. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I found um, I've actually been there a couple times, so I found this uh, one machine that, or well, a set of machines that I really like, called uh, Crystal. And um, I think that one stood out to me because there's a lot of like video slots, so it's a lot of you know digital yeah. type stuff. But um, this particular machine had like. I guess you'd call it like modeling on the case itself. So there's like little crystal models like on the outside and sort of on the top as well and and those lit up and stuff. So it's like, oh that's that's kinda mm-hmm. unique. So I I just like that one for some reason and um actually the last time I went I I didn't win massively on that one, but I won a little bit. So then this time I was like, okay, I have to use that again. Um, and actually, I actually walked away with a couple hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> so, not too not bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty crazy. Hmm. But there's also this aspect of like, I mean, that's, that's great. And that was nice. But I don't know. Something about like casinos that... I'll never be able to shake. That's like, it's kind of, kind of scummy. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like it, it, casinos don't have windows or clocks, so you can't see the passage of time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's it, true. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it feels very artificial. It always, I can't shake that feeling whenever I'm in a casino, of mm-hmm. how just just unreal everything is. And I don't know. I, it, there's always yeah. a level of uncomfort. Yeah. Or like in that aspect, there will be like there will be, a, yeah. Or there'll be like, I'll see ads for it sometimes, and they try to make it out to be like so wholesome and like it's for the family. <laughs> it's like no, it's not. No. What are yeah. you talking about? You yeah. want you want everybody's money. Yeah. I mean, most I guess that's the business, but you mm-hmm. want like. You want as much money, but not too much money, so that people keep coming back. Yeah. You want it's people like, to win just enough, but not too much. Yeah. It's like living inside of a mobile game. 
<laughs> that's and yeah, yeah casinos are like you know they're designed in a lot of uh, subtle ways and try and trick you. Like again, you, they don't want you to see the passage of time. Passage of time, so you're like, oh man, I've been here for four hours. I need to leave. And they also have you know ways that even if you do win money, <clears throat> they want that money to stay inside. So they're like, well. We have all these restaurants and gift right. shops and shows. Look yeah. at all these things you can do. Right. Why not spend some of your money on it? Why not? No. Yeah, exactly. That's casinos for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what you're getting when you go to a casino. I don't think anyone's like, ooh, I could win money in this. What is this? A, a Casio? Well, no. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone knows what a casino is. They know what they're getting into. I like going yes. to casinos last time I went to a casino I liked kind of going up and down the rows and seeing which ones were made by Konami and <laughs> there were so many actually it, wow. it was it was very surprising and ones that I didn't even know that they were associated with so it wasn't just the I can't think of a Konami property that's in the casino but but it's just something that wasn't would you know, Silent Hill that right? would seem like Silent oh, okay there you go there's a Silent Metal Gear Solid well, there's America's Solid Pachinko Machine. I don't think it was in, there? in, a, in a particular casino. Yeah, there, they I think there actually is now. Re, they remastered the Metal Gear Solid Three cutscenes for the Metal Gear Solid Three Pachinko Machine, but they haven't remastered the game itself and released it. And people are like, "Are you kidding me? Why? Why would you do that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And casino I, give an answer, but we can yeah. understand it because like their mouth was full of like baby flesh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's properties that I've never, I never, I would always, at a glance, I would think it's an American property, but it mm-hmm. actually was Konami. I can't again. I can't give you any names, but yeah, it was. It was surprising how strong of a foot, fo- foothold that that company had in you know this market, and you know it really it's a testament to how they don't need you know. They don't need to, to make video games anymore. They could just keep making this. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, from a money perspective, I guess I can see why. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I, you know, in these past couple of times I've, I've been to Foxwoods, I've understood, like, like, like when you're sitting down and then, like, you hit a bonus or something... And there's like all these lights and like crazy things and like yeah it's lot like the, the machine out the crystal machine I was playing on they had like different um, the reels had different spin speeds so sometimes it'd just be kind of normal other times they'd go like crazy and start like like if you're about to hit something big that they'd start going crazy or sometimes they go like super duper slow and like just build up anticipation and it's like holy frick <laughs> this is why gambling is is an addiction <laughs> oh yeah I felt that but. That, I mean, that Skinner box that, you know, ooh, that felt good. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's they, – they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just crazy. But, yep, that was my wonderful gambling adventures for me. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Tim's gambling adventures at Foxwood. <laughs> and, Sean, what did you – Oh, me? Yeah, what did you um, play and what did you watch? I really didn't – play much of anything um i dip my toe in destiny 2 every now and again but like 
for like 10 minutes at a time. Like I, I, just, I don't have anything left to do in the game until the next season. So it's just sort of on reserves at the moment. Um, I didn't get Pokemon every time since Pokemon Sword Show has been announced. I, the universe has been finding ways to keep me from getting the game. Like, oh, yeah. oh Pokemon Sword and Shield. Like, uh-uh. They got rid of half of the Pokemon. Oh, okay, maybe I'll hold off. But, you know, maybe, like, like no, no, no. Look at it. It looks terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I should, like, no, no, no. It'll delete your, your SD card. Oh, that's bad. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, I, I didn't get... Well, well maybe I'll get it. No, no. Nintendo is now associated with... Um... I don't know, Nazis or something. Oh, frick. What the frick? Yeah, Nintendo's run by the frozen head of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, so. <laughs> and every cop you buy adds another plate of armor to his spider machine. So. There you go. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so I didn't play Pokemon. Um, I'm still considering it because it's Pokemon, and that's just hardwired into me. But mm. the only thing I really played... Uh, and I'm going to try to get the name right because the name is unnecessarily long. Danganronpa, another episode, Ultra Despair Girls. Oh, that uh, game. Yeah. Uh, Which, to those who don't know, the series is basically um, Phoenix Wright meets, meets Dating Sim kind of deal. Uh, yeah. And it's weird and it's, uh, it also meets Battle Royale. Not the genre, the the Japanese movie. Uh, but this game, another episode, is a third-person shooter slash anime novel. It's weird, yeah. It's very weird. Um, you play as Kumaro Naegi, who is the sister of the first game's protagonist, Makoto. And I like her way more than Makoto. Makoto sucked. He was terrible, but his <laughs> sister is fun. Like she's cool, like she's kind of a ditz, but she has personality. And more than that, she calls Toko out on her shit. She's like, "Hey, you know what? Comments like that—that's why you have no friends." Oh, like, oh, 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 oh. It's like, well, yeah, Damn. you threatened to kill her, so yeah, you should feel bad. Um, the basic premise is that you're playing as Kamaru. And you're trying to escape this uh, island that's uh, being overrun by Monokuma robots, which are those black and white bears, and children who are killing all the adults. So, anime children of the corn. And it's being led by these five children who suck. And, like, the, the game is, like, trying to make you sympathize with them by saying, like, oh, look at how much trauma this kid has suffered. It's like... Yes, the kid has suffered trauma, and he should be pissed off, and I understand why he might go into a murderous rage. But he showed me a literal mountain of bodies, and that other kid made a bunch of marionettes out of corpses. These kids need to die. They need to be curbed on. They cannot be allowed to get through this. And I'm so afraid that the game is going to allow them to live, because I haven't seen them explicitly die. I've just seen them disappear. Um, huh. And the series is not, you know, shy from killing teenagers. Yeah. But are they going to kill children? I don't know. You know, I don't want to see kids die. But the game needs to say, at the very least, 
these five kids in particular, they're all dead. Don't you don't have to show me how it yeah. happens. Just say they died. It sucked, but they're dead now because holy crap, these kids are psychotic. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. It's okay. a weird game. It's definitely a weird game. I I played it a little bit, and then I gave it to one of my friends is a really big Danganronpa fan. And she didn't have it, mm-hmm. so I gave it away to her. And I don't know. It, it just it didn't it it didn't resonate with me. I, I didn't. I, it was like almost too anime for me, <laughs> and I I just I don't know. I, I I wanted to do something else. I wanted to play something else. So no, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't my not my cup of tea. I like I like anime games. I like visual novels, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, and I'm able to tolerate it to an extent. I can't I can't <laughs> Diamond Ropa is a little bit too much for me. Uh, I feel yeah. like it's just it's just a very tropey. A lot of a lot of oh, their yeah. um, the dialogue is extremely tropey. And mm-hmm. it, it just gets to the point where I'm like, okay, this is enough. <laughs> I just want to, give me an open world game, give me an action adventure. I, I'm I've had enough, you know. Yeah, the the series. I've only played the first two games, and now I'm I'm working through this one. Uh, the series is weird. It's very tropey. It's it has its moments. It has likable characters who it will then promptly kill off in front of you. Um. But it, it, it's very tropey. I guess because I don't watch a lot of anime, I can tolerate it a bit more. Because I'm not like, I don't see those tropes a lot. But I can recognize, okay, yeah, there's that trope. There's that. Like every time you see a character, it's like, okay, that's I know what that character is just by their look. I know, I know what their two dimensional thing is. Um, yeah. It's weird. It shouldn't be enjoyable, but I do enjoy playing them. It's like a. It's like fast food. I know it's not good for me. I know it's not well made, but in the moment, I'm like, yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh my, my stomach. Yeah. So that's basically the only game I played. Uh, as for what I watched, I as for movies, I watched a lot of horror movies. One in particular was a movie called Society, a movie that I hadn't seen, but I knew of the most famous scene the shunting scene uh but i got context for it now by watching the movie and it is a intense movie if Mm. i would not recommend it to casual horror fans it it might literally be too much for a lot of people It, it it doesn't have blood and gore but it's just if you ever watched like the Thing or The Fly or any David Cronenberg movie and you were like, eh, that body horror wasn't much. Who cares? Go watch Society. That might be the level that you're at. If you're at that point with like Cronenberg movies, go watch Society. You might be ready for it. Um, everyone else, it might be too much. Stay like right. I actually read that they had, there was a part where a character's dying and they had to re-edit it because it said his acting for dying was so horrifying they had to like trim down how much of it they put on screen because like this is too much this is a little bit unsettling and Jeez. considering the stuff they did in that movie that's yeah. so good. wow sounds like you had yeah. a fun time <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun movie it's weird okay. <laughs> um 
it's really weird. It it doesn't slow down like from the start. It gets going, which is great. Uh, you know, so I like slow burn horror movies, uh, like okay. things like um, Hereditary. That okay. doesn't like do anything explosive until like the last ten to twenty minutes. Uh, but society is just like going all the way through, and then at the end, it does do its biggest thing at the end, which is the shunting scene, which is hard to watch. Huh. Um, as any as for TV, um, I watched the last episode before the break of The Good Place, the latest season of The Good Place. Yes, uh, <laughs> a lot of shows when they get to this point, and they're like, I think this is like the fifth season. When they get to the fifth season, there's like a, a decline in quality. Good Place has never declined in quality for me. It's always been consistently good. Uh, this latest season is moving a little bit quicker than usual. The pacing is pretty quick. I think because it's their last season, they they kind of need to get that, that finish line sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, uh, Ted Danson does an amazing job as Michael. Um, he has got some scenes where it's like, Wow, he delivered the hell out of that line. He he's just knocking it out of the park. So everyone on that show is great. Go check it out, the good place. I believe the first four seasons are on Netflix. And if they are, go watch them because everyone has Netflix. <clears throat> if they're not there, they should be on Hulu. Yeah, they're definitely it's they're definitely show. on Netflix, yeah. Okay, great. Um if you like shows about philosophy and ethics and morality watch this show this is made for people it it asks a lot of philosophical questions it it has a reenactment of the trolley problem it's it's great so check it out uh the other shows i've watched i watched more of silicon valley which is also doing its last season um that show is even better than the good place that show is hilarious i love it to death it's made by um Mike Judge, who made Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. So oh. uh, this one is about, you know, uh, these guys in the Silicon Valley, uh, the tech, you know, the whole tech thing and developing technology and developing a company and all this stuff. And it's just, it's hilarious. It's amazing. I love that show so much. And it's ending, sadly. But better to go out on a high note than continue on into 30 seasons the Simpsons. Um, what else did I watch? Uh, I've continued watching Watchmen, which is also a really great show. I don't know if it's a good sequel to the Watchmen comic book, but that's because the comic book doesn't need a sequel. That that comic book ended on a perfect note. It didn't need to continue on. But if it does have to continue on, this show is a pretty good way to do it. Um it's very female centric. I'll say that a lot of the main characters are female. So if you're looking for a show that has a lot of um, female centered character, a lot of uh, centralized female characters, maybe check out Watchmen. You know, uh, my mom is watching it. And she doesn't know anything about Watchmen. And she's enjoying it. So maybe you don't need an encyclopedic knowledge of the comic books in order to enjoy it. Um. <clears throat> The only other show I watched was I finished up. Oh God, what was it called? Living with yourself. Yeah. Um, Tim, have you good. finished watching that or? 
Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think I think I just finished that recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good show. Uh, Paul Rudd does a great job. Uh, I wasn't thrilled by the ending. Uh, there were several other endings I had in my head that I wish it had done. Uh, but it kind of. I thought I was going to go one way, but it kind of swerved back another way. I was like, oh, come on, no. You were almost there to the fireworks factor. Why did you, why'd you turn off towards the towards the pudding house? <laughs> um, but I think what's great about the show is that it really demonstrates the importance of acting with your body and not your face. Like Paul Rudd, you know, he plays himself and he plays his clone. And one is like a very down and depressed version. And the other one is very happy and upbeat. Uh, so the depressed version, you know, he kind of slumps his shoulders. He kind of, he doesn't have a, a good posture. His hair is kind of matted down. His eyes look a little bit sunken. But the happy one, you know, his back is straight. His shoulders are back. He's got better hair. He's like practically glowing, as one character says. And so it really shows how important it is to have body language when you're acting. You can't just be acting with your face to show emotions. Uh, so it's really cool to see that going on. There are, of course, a lot of things I wish I had done, but it didn't do. But I mean, it's eight episodes. It's not a huge investment. So, you know, check it out. Could be oh. fun. I didn't know it was only eight episodes. I might check it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Paul Red. Yeah, it's Paul Rudd. It yeah, like Paul Rudd. Yeah, you're right. So that was basically my week. I, I feel like I played or watched something else, but I can't remember. And if I can't remember, then it probably wasn't that important. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get on to the news. So first up this week, we have some news about Death Stranding, which came out last week, and uh, a lot of people have been playing through it, and it's been somewhat divided. Uh, some people are saying it's great. Other people are saying it's boring and it's a slog to get through. Uh, so it's been very divisive, uh, even in the critics community, where sometimes you know critics are all like on the same page. They're like, oh yeah, it's all like an 8 or a 10. Um, but this was just somewhat divided. I will say, though, that when I say critics are divided, they're divided by their opinion but not their scores. I've seen a lot of reviews where like, this game has great writing and great acting, but the gameplay is terrible, and it was a slog to get through, and it was boring. I give it a nine out of ten, and it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it doesn't. And that's either the editor stepping in and saying, "Look, we're going to determine the score because if you give this thing a two out of ten, we're never going to get a Kojima game again uh, for review." So, or this is just the reviewer saying, "Look, I don't want to be the next person who gave you know." Like I don't want to be IGN giving God Hand a three out of ten. I don't want to be that person. So they're giving it high scores in order to avoid that. I don't know. Um, but let's talk about what Kojima has to say about this. Kojima gave an interview in which people and he said that well, Death Stranding has been getting great reviews in Europe and Asia, but in the U.S. it has been getting some. Not so great reviews. And we have an article here who originally reported that Kojima said, I believe the game is flying over the heads of U.S. gamers because they prefer uh, first-person shooters. Which he, A, said, which by that would mean like, oh, I'm saying that you don't get it, as well as saying FPS games are stupid. 
Um, it has since been uh, clarified by Sony itself saying, the actual quote of Kojima is, in America, there are a lot of FPS fans. Maybe those fans are saying this is a, like a different game and are not rating it very high. So he's basically saying people are scoring it low because it's not an FPS game. David, do you have any thoughts on Kojima's uh, perception of U.S. critics and U.S. gamers well, in general? I mean, I do. I do agree that it is a very Japanese e game. Just in the opening segments, I, I I tend as someone who who has seen a lot of anime and is in that sphere. I tend to find that a lot of Japanese narrative works are very exposition heavy, and they focus a lot on characters. So I do feel like Death Stranding does cater toward an Asian audience, or at least a Japanese one. And so in that Mm -hmm. respect, I'm not surprised at all that Famitsu gave it a perfect score, and other Asian-centric publications are giving it good scores. It just makes sense to me. CEO appears in the game too, which which is a yeah a bit of a conflict of influence. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I putting that aside, I I I'm not too surprised at that 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 is the case. And even from my own perspective, as you know, as an American who who watches anime often, again, I, I do feel like it. Americans in general just don't. They didn't grow up with that type of exposition, watching Disney movies, watching other Western uh, mm-hmm. film and movies and, and, and TV shows. There's a there's a beginning, a middle, to and an end. Uh, it follows this, this three-act structure, and Japanese media doesn't necessarily follow that same kind of paradigm. So mm-hmm. I feel like because there's that... that aspect of it it's it's not something that that will translate well to here and that's aside putting uh, putting that aside you have to also consider the the character uh aspect of it japanese media is very character focused uh and death stranding is all about the characters at least the marketing suggests that it's all about norman Mm. reedus it's all about mads mickelson it's all about you know guillermo del toro etc 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 so, you know, uh, I feel like there is that celebrity aspect of it. And, and we, you know, as Western audiences, we, we like those celebrities, but we just don't see them in that sphere. We don't see them in that respect, like in an anime setting. So it's a little off-putting to us. But, you know, Japanese audiences and, and people in Asia and even in Europe, I feel like uh, a lot of the cast feels, well, no... Not necessarily. I, I was going to say a lot of the cast feels European, but there are only some European. If I'm, if I if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's only like about half the cast that's European, right? Uh, they have mm. the. I mean, uh, I know there's a British actress, has... two British actresses. Right. Actresses. There's a a director who's from Scandinavia, I believe, and I think that's it. But regardless, yeah, the only actors I know of it are Norman Reedus, who I believe is American. He's um, American for sure. Guillermo del Toro, who yeah. is uh, Spanish, 
uh, or Latin. He's Mexican, uh, I believe. Right. Um, but he does make a lot of American movies. I'm not sure what his nationality is. Right. And Maz Mikkelsen, which I have no idea. He, Maz, he, oh, he Maz Mikkelsen is, is a big European star. He's, okay. uh, where is he? Uh, where is he based off of? Oh, I forgot. But I think he's German? No. The name he's, sounds German. Yeah, he he's in the he's in Northern Europe somewhere. So you know, I, I feel like even in Europe, Europe Europeans tend to vibe well with celebrity. So maybe that's why that mm. why that the game is doing well there and why it's being well received there. Americans are are much more. I don't know. They they're. I feel like we we in general we're much more gameplay driven and we're much more. We do have that those traditions of. I mean, there's a reason. There's a, there's a reason why Activision is has such a strong foothold here. He has. There's some truth to what Kojima is saying. FPS genre is it, the biggest genre in America, as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, it, it does. It is very well received in the UK too. But UK is a bit of a an outlier. I feel like UK vibes more with American audiences. It's much more similar to America than it is to Europe mm-hmm. to, to the rest of Europe. So I don't, I, you know, I, I don't fault him for, for, for indicating that maybe reviewers are, are just not understanding it in, in the same way that Asian reviewers are. And, and that's fine because across, bar, you know, across cultures, we, ha- we just have different ways of looking at things. And, you know, I, I'm glad that he kind of I, – I think he could have said it in, in a way that uh, was much more – he, he could explain it a little better. He could have said, okay, you know, Americans are much more used to a certain type of game, and, and it's much more popular. Like, FPS games are much more popular in America, so this is why they may not understand Death Stranding as much and explain it a little more. Uh, the way that he kind of left it was a little was a little derogatory. So, uh, you know, but but I think he had good intentions in what he said. I, he's not a bad person at all. He's a very nice guy. So at oh, least yeah, from sure from my is. understanding, so he wasn't. I don't think he was being presumptuous or, or judgmental of American audiences. I, I think he was. I think he, he was. I oh okay that well. But we'll that's get to fine. my opinions. Yeah, that but. that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their to their own opinion. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there was any bad will here. I, I think he was just kind of stating a, a truth that we don't you know that uh we kind of just kind of accept it uh, or at least for from my perspective i kind of accept it as as that so that that's just me <laughs> nah. mm-hmm. oh yeah I, I i can definitely understand where you're coming from um mm-hmm. tim do you have any thoughts on kojima's thoughts on u.s gamers <laughs> i probably be along the same sort of lines i think i mean i feel like i feel like his thoughts at least hold some kind of water i feel like david touched on the fact that you know cultures and what people like across different places are going to be different so mm-hmm. i feel like i could understand the aspect of like like this game is it is different mm-hmm. it's an it's kind of an acquired taste for a lot of people and there are a lot of people in the states and in America who do enjoy it and there's also a good number that don't 
Um, and the things we like and don't like are usually largely based on what we've, what's been around us and what we've grown up with, mm -hmm. what we've been conditioned to. Um, and we do have a lot of exposure to FPSs, so yeah, I feel like that kind of statement, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of the way things have gone for us. So I feel like I feel like saying something like this can come from a point of not being like pretentious or like, oh, well, you just you just don't get it. You're just dumb. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I feel like that makes. I feel like that makes sense to say. So I I think I'd probably agree. Well, I, I could definitely see the position that you guys are coming from, but I can't help but feel like he's being a little pretentious by saying, well, American audiences favor FPSs, and that's why this game is getting heavily criticized in the West. Uh, there might be some truth to that, because as you and David pointed out, what our culture is like in our games is different. However, whenever a content creator says, well, the reason my piece of art, whether it's a game, a movie, a TV show, whatever, the reason the thing I made is not being well received is because it wasn't made for them, they don't get it, that kind of thing. It just feels like they're making excuses. Uh -huh. and Like it's not their fault. Like it's not their fault. It's like they're ignoring the criticisms. They're not addressing them by saying, well, I can hear their criticisms, but it doesn't matter because their criticisms are invalid to me because of where mm -hmm. they're coming from. And it's like, that's, that's what I got from him. I might be reading too much into what he said. And I do believe Kojima is a nice guy. I don't think he'd have all these friends, these celebrity friends. If he was a bad person. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think... I don't think he ever should have gotten into video games. I think he should have tried a different medium. But that's me. Um, he does make great games. They're very beloved. The Metal Gear Solid franchise is a classic. It's, you know, it's never going to be forgotten. But to basically say, well, it, it's not really... American audiences don't get it because they like FPSs is him saying the reason they don't like it is because it's not action-packed. And it's like, in a somewhat sense, that's true. I mean, they're saying it's, it's boring to play through. It's a slog. But I play through boring gameplay games all the time, games that don't have a lot of heavy gameplay and they're, they're story-focused. You know, I, like I said, I play through the Danganronpa series. Um, I played a... Uh, uh, a stream to game that was just it takes place entirely on a cell phone and you have to solve a mystery using this cell phone you found and going through their various apps going through the dating profiles and old messages and all this stuff it has no shooting whatsoever it has no action whatsoever and I loved it it, it was fun to play but Death Stranding does not look fun to play and I am American so yeah. um but I, I just don't like this dismissive attitude he has. We're like, well, they don't get it because it's 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 their culture. Yeah. And like you guys said, there there's some validity to that. You know, one culture is not better than another, and that one culture's tastes do not supersede another culture's tastes. Um, however, personally, 
I think stories that are exposition heavy are badly written. If you mm-hmm. dump out your plot out in like big chunks, that's badly written. You have to tell it. Doing exposition is basically telling and not showing. You have to show and not tell. Yeah. And you're right. Uh, anime and Japanese games are very character driven, and character driven things are great. I love character driven things. Um, some of my favorite movies are things called um, one room movies that basically they take place within like either one small location or one literal room. Uh, things like The Cube and Sunset Limited. Uh, basically anything that takes place in a small confined space. So the story has to focus on the characters rather than big set pieces. Some of my favorite movies are those. The Thing is a good example. But they don't have exposition dumps. They don't do that. Because that's just lazy writing. That's just the writer saying, oh, I didn't know how to to feed this out to the player or the viewer or the reader or whatever. So I'm just going to dump it all right here and let the person just continue. That's, that's lazy. And honestly, I think a lot of Kojima's writing is bad. Uh, I Maybe I don't get it. Maybe I'm just uh, it's just going over my head or to the side of my head, however you want to put it. But when you have characters named Sam Bridges in a game about building bridges, yeah, come on. Like I know the naming thing doesn't like necessarily show his writing capability, but come on, you got a character called Die Hard Man. What is, what is this, Kojima? What? I I, I don't know. Some people find it, it charming. I, I I don't. I don't. I I I I I, I kind of do. You know, like Psycho Mantis, you know, one of the most beloved villains of all time, you know. That's different, Mike. But he's a psychic, you know, and... and Yeah. He he wasn't named, like, Reedy Mind Strange Guy. (laughs) Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. But but think about it this way. I mean, I feel like if, if someone called Psycho Mantis came out today... We'd be a little kind of in the same regard, you know. You, you, like we we kind of look at it strangely too. Like I, I feel like in time we'll look back at Die Hard Man and we'll be like, man, that, that was, <laughs> you know, it'll be kind of like in our vernacular. It, it's strange uh, now, but I, I I I don't know. Give it some time. Like some- and there's like Sniper Wolf. Okay, she's a sniper. But that was the thing. That and she has wolves. You know, around her. <laughs> okay. And her but name is Sniper Wolf. So. They were all part of a group and they all had animal-based names. That's something that, like, like a fire team would do. They they all like, oh, we okay. all have our nicknames. We're all, like, animal-based. Vulcan Raven and, and okay. Snake. Okay, and fine. <laughs> and, you know, maybe Die Hard Man, there's a reason why he's called that. Like, I know mm-hmm. why he's called that, but, like, a better reason than just, like, he dies a lot. Die Hard Man. It's just like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Maybe that. Maybe it's true. I don't get Kojima games. I or think Fragile. Too. Fragile, you know, like, because it's all oh. about transporting packages, so she's named Fragile. Well, I, I let's not forget about Quiet. Quiet, yeah. She's quiet. Yeah, because oh. she, she, she's mute. Yeah, I, I yeah. Do you get it? Yeah, skull face is called skull face because he's got a skull face. But I think Did we've kind of it? accepted those names now. I, I don't. I, I don't. 
I I don't know. I I feel people talking the talking about them like it's no big deal. Like oh, she's mute, so she's quiet. And what is his name? Skullman. Skullman. Right. He has the face of a of a skull, so we call him Skullman. And you know, it's just it's just people just I don't know. They just talk about it like it's no big deal now. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's just again. This comes down to personal taste, and yeah, I don't want to get yeah. too much onto what I think about Death Stranding. And if people are enjoying it, that's fantastic. You know, why should I ever begrudge something that people are happy about? So long as right. it's not making other people unhappy. You know, it's not like, oh, I really love, I love kicking people. Like, no, <laughs> that's that's different. This yeah. is harmless. If people are enjoying it, fantastic. But it's not for me, and I. Not crazy about Kojima's attitude, but he seems like a nice guy. So, but let's move on to something else that I got under my skin. Disney Plus uh, came out recently. That is the new streaming service for Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever the hell Disney owns. Fox, they own Fox shows, which we will be talking about. Uh, one of the shows that is on Disney Plus is The Simpsons. <gasps> Fantastic series. They put all the seasons of The Simpsons on there. And they put them all on widescreen. And the problem is when you put something that wasn't filmed in widescreen into widescreen, there are problems. Uh, One example, um, when they put Malcolm in the Middle on Netflix and they put that in widescreen, you could see things that you weren't supposed to see, like stand-in characters who aren't the actual actors, or boom mics (laughs) everywhere, or the fact that they're not in a house. It's a set. (laughs) <laughs> you know, these things, they pop up when you put things in the widescreen. Uh, it happened with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They, anytime they put an old show into widescreen format for like a re-release on DVD, it's bad. And it happened here too. So what happened with The Simpsons is that when they do it on widescreen, they have to cut off part of the the picture or stretch it out. And in some cases, as example in a Twitter post, you lose a lot of the sight gags. So a lot of you know jokes that were based on what you could see on screen are lost because of the bad formatting. Um, Tim, do you have any thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, I mean, yeah, looking at some of these, that's that's too bad. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, how much would you say... In The Simpsons, like what 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 proportion of jokes are like based on like just background stuff? Thirty percent. Okay, that's a lot. It's a <laughs> so lot. basically, a third of jokes are like just either not there, or like cut in half or something. Well, I would say basically of those thirty percent, maybe ten percent would actually be affected by something like this. Like the, this tweet shows how. You know, they had the joke about Duff, Duff Light, and Duff Dry. And the joke yeah. is all the beer is coming from the same tube. So it's all the same beer. But in the widescreen, that gets cut off, and all you see is Duff, Duff Light, and Duff Dry. And you don't see that they all come from the same tube, so the joke is ruined. You know, mm-hmm. And so losing that one joke doesn't ruin the episode. No one's going to go by the end of that episode and be like, I didn't understand at all what was happening there. No. But... It looks bad, and it's a shame. And the fix is easy. Just have an option. Do you want to view it in widescreen or standard? And then just put the you know empty space on the side. 
you know, it, it no, it, it doesn't fill up my TV screen, but not everything has to. So this, I mean, it wasn't designed to exactly. Anyway, um, but you know, this is, you know, TV. They do it all the time. Uh, David, do you have any thoughts? Do you think this was an accident? Do you think Disney just said we want to get all the show, all the episodes of The Simpsons? you know, out on, on Disney plus by this release date and they just didn't consider it. Or what do you think was the reason behind it? I think they didn't care. Hmm. I think they're like, well, we're going to put it in widescreen because people like widescreen because they have big TVs and they want to fill up the screen. And we don't want people to watch the Simpsons be like, this is small. I hate this. I'm canceling my subscription, which is not going to happen but they don't want that risk so they're like put it all widescreen and people will think it looks better that way and it never does it yeah never does. but to the casual viewer it probably looks fine you know mm-hmm. the casual viewer is like okay yeah that's yeah it is what it is uh to someone who I, I don't know i feel like it just launched you know this past week and i'm not gonna fault disney too much for it because it, it just you know they, this is they're not a te- technologically savvy company i mean they, they just oh. they're not at all so i'm not i, I don't really think that this is gonna you know hurt their bottom line in any way no. it's just one show and they already have 10 million i think 10 million yeah 10 million people already signed up for it and some Damn. many of which have signed up for it for three years because there was a three-year job yeah. What people don't do that. Yeah. Don't. Because they have it, small kids, so they just want their kids to shut up for three years. So, <laughs> so they bought shut three this years. kid up for three. Wow. My kid is seven years level. old now. I cannot deal with this. You should just put them in like a cryostasis chamber with Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just like this. Will this will keep them busy until they're thirteen? So. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that was, I guess, the logic behind it. And you know, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't I can't say anything about it. I, you know, if my kid was annoying as hell, I I I'd probably do the same thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I, getting back to the Simpsons, I think I think they'll they're gonna iron everything out. I think this is kind of like I see this kind of like Epic Game Store and Steam, like Epic, but like a better version. Like Epic Game Store is still catching up you know to to steam and they're 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 getting better it takes a long time for them to get it's taking them a long time for them to get better but they are in this long i mean they're getting better and that they're adding more features i guess but... like a shopping cart yeah yeah it's... oh my god a new shopping oh man cart. yeah revolutionary feature for this online store <laughs> you know so i see i see this as disney plus catching up to netflix and eventually it'll have all the features that netflix has uh it it has it's super similar to netflix i was astounded by how similar it just it feels exactly like netflix i mean only with a different have you seen the the interface Mm -hmm. it's it's exactly like netflix it's it's like i'm not surprised yeah uh and Um, a lot of people like netflix's um like uh ui more yeah. importantly, a lot of people hate the UI of other superstars. A lot of people hate Hulu's, which is terrible. Oh, I hate it. Hate Amazon I, it's terrible. Prime's, which is terrible. It, no. Uh, so, 
I think a lot of people are like, well, I just like Netflix if it works. So Disney's like, well, why do something new? Just do what Netflix mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Just like, so that- why why make new products when we can just, A, buy out the companies that have products we like, and B, we can just buy public domain stories and make movies out of them and sue anybody who tries to do the same. Yeah. And I feel right. like I feel like that's that's a testament to how, again, I'm going to bring this up again, like how technologically unsophisticated this company is, just how they're just copying the market leader and they're just, you know, they're not really doing anything new. So so I think this whole Simpsons debacle, if you want to call it that, I think they'll, they'll resolve it. They'll they'll put in another the format. The debacle? Huh? <laughs> the debacle? <laughs> the debacle? I don't get the joke. Do. Homer Simpson, do. Do. He says do. Oh! Do. Oh. <laughs> I just got go. it. Okay, okay. Got it, got it. Yeah, the dough buckle. I I think they'll they'll solve it eventually, and everything will be fine, and we probably won't even remember it. I mean, it's an all. easy fix. Just yeah. allow people to watch it in four point three ratio, four yeah. by three ratio, which is what it was filmed in. Like, just just do. It. They actually it took more work to make it worse. Yeah. All they have to do is put it in and put it in the original ratio, and boom, you're done. Most it. of the series at this point is in the widescreen format. Um, there's more more seasons that are in the um, HD format than there are not. So it, it, it took more work to do it this way than to do nothing at all, which would have been preferable. But uh, it's it's annoying. And like I said, it doesn't ruin an episode. It doesn't make it unwatchable. Um, yeah. The problem for me is that I've watched The Simpsons the first nine seasons like, a hundred times. So when I watch it in widescreen, I'm going to notice problems because it's so ingrained in my brain. What things are supposed to look like, what things are supposed to sound like, that kind of thing. But um, they also removed the Michael Jackson episode. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's Disney Disney is very wary of bringing up a lot of con. Did you see that statement that they that they came up with? Because a lot of their older films are now available on Disney Plus, and so they were oh, like, yeah. "These are uh, I forgot the exact statement, but it was like antiquated cultural depictions, so, something along those mm-hmm. lines." And but they took they put trigger warnings on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the the film uh, displays inaccurate uh, cultural dis- uh, depictions or, or, mm-hmm. or what have you. And because they really, they're really trying to stray, stray away from, you know, having any type of controversy with Their Disney roots. Plus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one weird thing they did: um, Gravity Falls is on Disney Plus. Which, if no one has watched it, go watch it. It's a fantastic show. Um, my friend compares. He says it's the closest thing to The Simpsons kind of humor he's seen since The Simpsons. So, oh, okay. check it out. Uh, but one thing they did, they censored Grunkle Stan's hat, which is weird. Really? Yeah, originally... Isn't that just like a fish or something? Well, that's the thing. Originally, he has like this red fez, and there's like a, a, a yellow symbol on it. And originally, it was like uh, an Islamic symbol. It was like a moon and a star. Uh, but Yeah, I remember that. Disney didn't like that, so they said, well, you got to change it. And he says, okay, well, I'll add this sort of thing to the moon so it's... It, it doesn't look like the the moon, 
anymore. So they changed it around so it's not Islamic anymore. But now they've just completely removed it altogether from the first season. And oh. even the show's creator, Alex Hirsch, went on Twitter and he's like, uh, yeah, what the hell's going on, Disney? I don't understand why you decided to censor this. It's weird. And he said the weird thing is they censored the um, the shows themselves, but not the pictures they used for the thumbnails. So in the show, you'll see that it's just a regular red fez. But in the thumbnail for each episode, you can actually see the original fez. So Disney, mm-hmm. what the hell are you mm-hmm. doing? That's just so weird. It's unnecessary. But this is Disney trying to smooth out the edges so there's no way anybody could possibly be offended yeah. And thus deliver the most bland and vanilla product possible. Yeah. Because when you try to make something for everybody, you make something boring. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, getting back to my earlier point about them being un- technologically unsophisticated. I mean, even when the, the, the service launched, they were having so many technical problems. They could, uh, There were things like, People couldn't watch shows like the, they were. The shows were unavailable. Yeah. They couldn't add things to their to their lists. They couldn't do anything in that respect. They couldn't log in, which was weird. Like they would pay money, they would sign up, and then they wouldn't be able to log in. A lot of those types of very seemingly, you know, those things don't happen often. Uh, and, and for them, it, you know, it was something that was rampart at least on launch day. They fixed it by the second day, but it just. Things like that, I, when I read things like that, I'm like, okay, you guys clearly aren't really up to par with, you know, with other, you know, you didn't you didn't get IBM to help you or whomever, Microsoft to help you launch this service or Netflix to help you launch this service. It was clearly something that you did on your own accord with a, I think they, they, they acquired a smaller streaming company uh, last year or two years ago and they're using them. To kind of leverage oh, okay. Disney Plus, but you know they're they're small. They're they're not very experienced with streaming services, at least of this caliber. So uh, moving forward, I think you'll you'll see them you know go to Gravity for, Falls and remove those thumbnails and replace them and work out the Simpsons stuff and et cetera et cetera. And, and it'll all be a nice happy place and you know it'll be like Disney World, all, all smiles, no no tears. That, that's yeah. what they want. If you cry, <laughs> that they some 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 people comment they take you into the shadows. Yeah, they can't exactly, exactly. Disney mm-hmm. World is run like a casino in its, its subtle psychological tricks. Yeah, you know, you read about like how they have um, a certain shade of pink as a border around their grass because the contrast makes the grass look even greener, or how they pump the smell really? of fresh made cookies throughout the park. Yeah, I, I, I read that one, yeah. Something about how the mascots have like a secret underground tunnel to move through the park quicker and to yeah. get to certain places. That is hilarious. More efficiently. Like um, catacombs, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, really it's insane. It's fascinating. I'm always fascinated by the way businesses use psychological tricks in order to cover up flaws or to make you think certain things. Grocery yeah. stores do it too. All stores do it too. But read up on these things; they're just fascinating. And I, I don't begrudge businesses for doing stuff like this. Like this is, you know, it's helping them out. They're not tricking people. They're just sort of 
I guess manipulating which sounds worse. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, earlier this year, we had a trailer for the Sonic movie, which terrified many people, <laughs> and many people complained, to the point in which Paramount said, okay, we're going to delay the movie until next year, so we can redo some of the... We can redo Sonic entirely. We're going to make a new Sonic. And people were happy. They're like, oh, great. Paramount actually listened to us. So they released the trailer for the new Sonic movie with the new Sonic look, the new design for the movie. And he looks a lot more like Sonic. Um, so, uh, David, did you have any thoughts on the new Sonic design and the movie in general? He looks fantastic. I like him. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know, he looks a lot he, better. He's not... He's not you know, OG Sonic, he's not like the Sonic from the video games, but I don't think they necessarily needed to, to bring the Sonic from the video games to a movie. You know, he he just be his own thing and I and I, I, I really liked it. I really I do really like it now, uh the, the Sonic design. I think they they nailed it and the trailer itself was really well edited. I, I, I was quite surprised. It it has a different tonality to it. The the other trailer, the initial trailer Feel it felt very low budget. It felt very, I don't know, generic, uh, not fun. But this feels a lot more, I don't know, uh, fun. Like it just just more youth oriented, more uh, happy, light hearted, and and I like it. I, I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. it. I probably won't see it in the theaters. I'm not a big Sonic fan, but I, I'm glad that they that they made this change. And I think. Uh, it, it's resonating well with the fans, so good for them. Yeah, I, I think I think the fans have been uh, pretty unanimous in saying this looks a lot better than the last one, the yeah. last design. And we're really happy you went with this one, uh, mm-hmm. Tim. Did you have any thoughts on the new trailer and the new design? Yeah, you know, looking at the new design, I feel like I feel like it's missing some like. Like where where's the teeth? I want some more <laughs> teeth, or maybe have like the eyes are a little bit too big. Maybe just like scrunch them down a bit, push them apart. I you know give him like yeah no no he looks great. I agree. He he does look. They took a a little bit more liberty with it. I guess like the eyes are separate, but I think that's fine. Which is important because I think it looks great. the whole idea that Sonic's eyes are connected in the game. So <laughs> like, as the design thing, and an old game, fine, but when they brought it into the modern day, it's like, what the hell? Does he have, like, one eyeball and two pupils? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. That is really yeah. weird, yeah. And one thing I kind of, I guess I kind of noticed from, like, comparing the two designs, is that the last one, like, or, like, the OG one, like, kind of didn't really have any definition like for its like eyebrows i guess do you know what i mean yeah like it, it feels like it didn't have uh the... expressive eyebrows which you absolutely yeah. need <laughs> with a character you need to have expressive eyebrows because if you don't you don't have expressions yeah it like it, it really does look weird like more weird especially now like because this one it does it does have sonic does have like expressions and eyebrows and it's like okay that that looks that looks good that's what that should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, as for me, I agree. I think the design looks a lot better than the old design. Um, 
I'm never going to see this movie though because it looks bad <laughs> to me. I, I watched this trailer, I'm like, wow, sound looks a lot better. Now the movie looks terrible because of the writing and the story and the acting. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah. now I can at least hate this movie for reasons that are familiar to me. For me, I have no reason to see this movie now. If they had stuck with the old design, I would have had a reason to see it because I want I would have wanted to see that nightmare in action. And I hope that when they release the DVD, they release a cut of the movie with the original Sonic design in it. Just for <laughs> me. Just so I can see that more. It's the same reason why like I really hope who's ever releasing the movie Cats doesn't fix those cats. Uh, even I, just the way they are. I 100% hope that it's it's exactly what we saw in that trailer. I hope I, it's even scarier. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, um, I want to see that dumpster fire. I want to see those fires yeah. fly in the air, man. I want to see it exactly. burn down the town. I <laughs> And I guess it's better that something like Cats is the kind of movie that would do that because there aren't a lot of big devoted Cats fans. Yeah. There's there's not somebody sitting with all their Broadway musical Cats merchandise going, this movie looks terrible. They've ruined it. Whereas Sonic fans, there's a lot of Sonic fans going, what the hell? Guys, don't do not do yeah. this. Well, they're very um, vocal. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Cats fans, all, you know, 12 of them out there, <laughs> they're not going to go on Twitter and, you know, start a campaign. Whereas exactly. Sonic fans, we have no life. I mean, I'm not a Sonic fan, but Sonic fans... You know, they tend to have no life, so... <laughs> Sorry, Sonic Sonic fans are a breed all their own, yeah. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about Sonic and the Sonic mythos that has just ensnared people the way it has, but it has, and it's like, what is the X Factor that does that? I'm sure I don't know. companies around the world would love to, to figure that out and bottle it and use it for all their products, but... I, th- I feel like it's uh, a lot of fairies that like Sonic... Maybe I'm not, For, maybe, oh yeah, of course. Maybe I'm alone. Yeah, it, it's fairy, it's furries, right? That are really obsessed with Sonic. That's like the most well, fancy with like My Little Pony. Yeah, you know, yeah. Those fans, like Bronies. They might say, stuff. "Well, yeah. I'm not a furry." It's like, mm, no, I'm not. Mm, I question mm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Sonic. Like they'll be like, "Well, I'm not a furry." It's like, mm, really? Yeah. No, I'm not. Maybe like Rouge the Bad, but no, not anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, Sally Acorn or Amy Acorn, whatever it was, because uh, she doesn't wear pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who? You know, Amy? Just... Amy had pants. No. Oh, Amy had a dress. Amy had a dress. No, right? who's the one I'm thinking of from the cartoon? She oh, was like a squirrel or something the, like, like that. the wombat. What was she? Uh, she didn't have she's... a big squirrel tail. She she was a wombat, was... wasn't she? She was a wombat from from Sonic. Boom? They choose such odd animals for the mascots. Like, what the <laughs> hell is an echidna? I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, I probably won't see this movie because I'm not a big Sonic fan. And this this looks like it's made for kids, which it should be made for kids. I don't blame them for making a a kid's Sonic movie. They're not going to make a grimdark Sonic movie for their 30-year-old audience. That was Shadow of the Hedgehog. That's what what Shadow of the Hedgehog is for. (laughs) They bring back Crush Forty. Wait, I am oh healthy. my gosh, let's let's have a Shadow of the Hedgehog movie. I guarantee you, Crush Forty will be in this movie either through a song <laughs> or they'll like, or they'll be like, 
You know, they have that scene in the trailer where they're like they're at like a bar and they're like throwing darts. Crush Forty is going to be in the background playing like a country. Dude, band. they got to do that. Oh my god! It. And I guarantee you, the post-credit stinger is going to be tails. It's going to be Sonic like, ah, yeah, yeah. I can't we beat Doctor Eggman. What a great thing! And tails comes like, Sonic, you got to get back to Sonic Land. Yeah. And he's like, whoa! But I, you know, and interesting in the in the trailer, they still they still call Sonic an alien. Did you notice that? Yeah. So, well, like, like, what else are they going to call him? Like, just call him. I wish you know. I wish they went with the storyline that like he was a video game character that came back. Like he he came out of his like arcade or something, kind of like Wreck It Ralph or like something. Well, Wreck It Ralph was not in the real world, but like. You know, uh, something like he, they stuck with like a, he was like in an arcade and then somehow he got transported to the real world or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it's something that it was, it was tying into the video game aspect of it. I felt like that would have been made the most sense. I don't know why they, well, they don't do that. He still looks like a cartoon character in the movie. So that's probably the most yeah. unsettling thing is that he looks like a cartoon character. Yeah. He doesn't look like he belongs in that reality not just like that planet but just that reality but it's better design wise than the alternative yeah mm-hmm. i won't be as entertained by the movie because of this alternative but you know i i, I can't demand a movie be worse for my own entertainment i'm not that guy mm-hmm. but yeah, right. that's the sonic movie trailer um and real quick i wanted to talk about some issues that are happening concerning kappa no, to get people up to speed, COPPA is a United States law that is designed to protect the rights of children online. So if you ever see something like uh, you must be 13 years or older to enter or you must be 18 years or older to enter, that's because of COPPA. Um, it's to prevent uh, kids from putting their personal information out online and people getting a hold of it. And what COPPA is now, what the um, FTC is now doing is saying, you cannot collect user data on children anymore. It's not just you can't have kids sign up and put their personal information on it. You can't use user data uh, from these kids anymore. And how this affects YouTube is YouTube uses your personalized data to give you targeted ads. And that's what the FTC is stopping. They're saying, no, you cannot collect user data on these children. You cannot give them personalized ads. So YouTube says, well, all right, from now on, content creators, you will need to mark your content as safe for kids or not safe for kids. Because if you mark your stuff as safe for kids and it's not, and the FTC finds out, you can be fined up to... $42,000 per video. The problem with this is that when you mark something as quote-unquote safe for kids, you disable your personalized ads, which means you get less money. You disable things like your comment section. You can't have comments anymore, which takes you out of the YouTube algorithm to be a suggested video. You damage your brand considerably. And it gets worse because... What is considered safe for children? The FTC made this very vague, and they say if it seems like it's for kids, it's for kids. So if it's a cartoon, it's for kids, even if it doesn't have children themes. 
if it has to do with video games, they're going to consider that for kids. So how this relates to video games, content creators who make YouTube videos about video games to protect their asses will need to mark all the things as not safe for kids and thus will be losing a lot of money. That's if this bill goes through, which I think they have until December 9th to make this happen. So, David, do you have any thoughts on this whole situation? Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the YouTube space and content creation in general on YouTube, especially how it relates to kids. And YouTube, uh, I know this has nothing to do with YouTube itself. This is more of a federal thing. But I think it's had a tough year in terms of and i'm not i'm not being lenient on them i i think uh it, it's just a matter of the way our society is changing and how kids are picking up on technology so much faster and how it's mm-hmm. just become so much more ubiquitous and this is everyone just making a response to that and i don't there's part of me that says that it's a good thing because if i had a kid I would want my kid to not be marketed toward, and I, I wouldn't want my kid to be a consumer at such an early age or trained to be a consumer at such an early age, especially you know at, at you know sensitive period where they're just learning about the world and et cetera, et cetera. And they're doing a lot of that through YouTube, so I I, I just I'm a little wary of that, and so I try to mm-hmm. view it from that perspective. But I'm also viewing it from the perspective of a content creator. And I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, and it, it, it's tough. It, it, it is a tough spot. And it, and I don't have, unfortunately, I, I can't offer any solutions. Um, it, it, you know, I'm thinking of now, but I, I feel like becoming a kid-centric, youth-centric content creator nowadays is just so hard because uh, because of how much more wary we've become of of targeting kids and there are good signs mm-hmm. and bad sides to it and and I can't really I, admittedly I I'd side more with with the parenting with the with the good sides to it than than the bad sides because I feel like I I try to put myself from the from the standpoint of of me having a kid and I just I wouldn't want my kid to be exposed to that type of stuff uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do feel for content creators. You know, I, I do understand that it's very frustrating for them, and that they can't make the same income that they used to because of these new restrictions. So uh, I don't know. I I, I, yeah. I feel I feel insensitive just saying get a new job. You know, I, I I'm not. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm saying you know I hope that someone comes up with, with a solution here to 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 kind of edge things out. Uh, but unfortunately, I can't come up with anything. I, I, I'm a bit of a loss in that regard. Yeah, um, I would never say to content creators, you know, get a different job. But I would say, yeah. find an alternative sense of revenue if you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like the, it's not stable. Yeah, the best solution I would say is just turn off ads on YouTube and just open up a Patreon, which yeah. is probably going to make you less money. Unless, like, you're a huge content creator and you have a huge fan base who can give you a lot of money through Patreon. But if you're a smaller one, people generally aren't going to give you money on a monthly basis. They'd rather just get your videos for free. Um, 
But what a lot of content creators do is they turn off advertising, but they get sponsorships. Yeah. So either at the beginning end and sometimes in the middle, they'll have like an ad read rather than just a a commercial break. Mm -hmm. They'll just be like, and speaking of this, let's talk about Dollar Shave Club. It's like, what? Yeah. So they're doing that to like circumvent the problems because there, even before this, there have been problems with YouTube. As you Mm -hmm. said, YouTube's been having a tough year and the only reason content creators haven't been all jumping ship is because what's the best alternative to YouTube? None. Like yeah. the, there's, there's no great video host site literally. And they've done, they've there's, there's evidence for this. the best alternative to YouTube is Pornhub in oh. terms of video hosting and making money from it. That's mm-hmm. the best one. Well, look at Belle Delphine. That's not exact- she, she caught on to something when she when she posted all those <laughs> videos on 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 Pornhub. You know, exactly. so, so you know, yeah. when life gives you lemons, you gotta pivot and go into make porn. Make porn, you know. <laughs> um, but the the law of COPPA is not a bad law. It's an important one, and it protects children online. And like you said, if I had a kid, I'd want to know that they were protected when they went online and stuff like that. Because yes, as a parent. You can be as controlling as you want and be like, no, I need to make sure this, I'm going to put on parental locks and kid locks and all those things to make sure they only go to, to kids YouTube and all those things. The kid's going to find a way to circumvent yeah. that. They, they have, they've been promised the world of information and you're saying, no, just stick to this corner until you're 18. They're yeah. going to find it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not so naive as to, as to not think about that you know i if if mm-hmm. if i give my kid a phone even if it had parental uh locks all day i'd know he or she would find a way to watch whatever the hell he or she wanted to watch i i just i feel like i don't know there's still some some aspect of me that when i give a phone to my kid i i would want to know that everything that i could have done to prevent that i've done and i've done my best yeah. you know um you know even though it is somewhat inevitable (laughs) yeah and that's the thing like as a parent and i'm not a parent um i do have a degree in elementary education i have taken child psychology classes and i've done a lot of uh babysitting and stuff like that so i have worked with kids a lot uh, special education as well and so while i don't have a kid and i can't talk from the form of a parent i can say this you can do prevention all you want. It will only take you so far. Yeah. And honestly, if you 100% prevent your kid from seeing something, it's going to screw them up. Mm-hmm. You're going to screw that kid up a little bit. However, you can't just let the kid go free reign either. What you have to do is give them context for what they're seeing. So if yeah. you find out your kid has stumbled upon, let's say, Belle Delphine videos on Pornhub... <laughs> You got to tell them no. That's not for you to see, and you got to give them context so they understand what they saw. And so this is like, called why? an e girl. And then, she, that's that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> why was she doing that to the joystick? You know, you, and it's hard conversation to have like that. But you know, can I get Belle Delphi? Can I get easy. her bath water, Mom, for can Christmas? <laughs> can I sell my bath water? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, God. So COP is an important law, but it's it's the way it's being enforced. That's a problem because, like I always say, 
technology outpaces law and the lawmakers are trying to catch up and they're they're stupid stupid buttheads who don't understand what a computer is uh tim <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this whole situation yeah you know i was this um i was reading a bit about this just the other day and just going through is like this, this is like a really big deal like for content creators and yeah i feel like i'm surprised i haven't I feel like I haven't really seen people talking about this too much. I feel like I would have heard more of like a bit of an uproar, but I mean, basically, as you mentioned, even like, even if you don't specifically make content for kids, if it's still something that could appeal to kids and is appropriate for kids to see, then your channel becomes, you become, I guess, obligated to tag your channel. Yeah or whatever specific videos apply as for kids. And if you are tagged for kids, then, like I said, there's no ads, there's no comments, which basically means, like, your community's dead, there's no likes or dislikes, and it basically just seems like channel suicide, yeah, more or less. Uh. And there's also, like, I feel like I also noticed this, like, weird focus on they seem to be more interested in punishing people who are for kids, but mismark themselves as not rather than people who say they are for kids, but, uh, or no people who say they're not, wait, <laughs> people who say they are for kids, but they're actually not like, I didn't, I didn't really see any, like, they didn't really talk about what would happen if you did that. More just like if you say you're not for kids, if you, like you should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. I think that's their intention is to punish those who, in their minds, uh, irresponsibly market themselves as for kids when they're not. Think those videos where it's like Spider Man and Elsa barf on a Toyota. <laughs> you know those really weird ones. Well, they're either like a couple that are like in costume or like it's, it's a weird flash animation. Those, I think, would be affected by this. And duly so, because they're weird. They're marketed towards children, but they're not for kids but at all. That's, I think, it, that's what I'm saying. I, I think I, I, I missaid it. That, I'm saying that like. They would so whoever's like in charge of that channel would say, "Oh yeah, I'm totally for kids," but they're not. There, I didn't see anything mentioning that they punish those people, but people who say, like maybe you know people who would like to keep their revenue and stuff, they think, "Well, I don't think I'm for kids," so they mark themselves as not for kids. Mm -hmm. But then if it turns out that YouTube thinks they are for kids, there's punishment there, even though they stayed away from kids completely. Uh, no, it's it's more like if you fail to mark your, if you mark yourself as not for kids, you can't be punished by COPPA. It's not going to hurt you. However, it's going to hurt you financially because you get less money from that, and you you don't get you don't pop up on search results or anything like that. And you know you, you basically fall out. You lose a lot of money for doing this. And if you say, well, you know, I'm I'm. For kids, I think I, I don't I don't curse in my video or anything like that. And you mark yourself as for kids, and the FTC disagrees. You get fined rather than YouTube itself being fined, since they host the videos. And 
according to YouTube's uh, terms of service, they own those videos, and thus YouTube should be responsible and take all um, consequences for those videos' content. You can get fined for that. And there's a tweet from one of the FCC chairs who compared uh, the situation to shooting a fish in a barrel, where the barrel is YouTube and the fish are content creators in terms of finding people. He says, it's going to be so easy to just find these people and just and get a lot of money from them. And it's like, ugh, that's, that's a scummy way to put it. So basically, this is something that really hurts content creators. I believe this law is made by the best of intentions. In fact, there's even a great Silicon Valley uh, clip where they talk about COPPA, where someone is found to be in violation of it and what can happen when you are in violation of it. Because remember, this is $42,000 per video. So if you make 2,000 videos and you're found to be unsafe for kids and not marketed as such, you're fined for each of those 2,000 videos individually. So, oof. Um, so a bit of a bit of a problem for content creators. One more reason why being a YouTuber is not a good idea. Try to go to Twitch, but even that's not going to be a great idea. That's going to go the same way as YouTube. So, yeah, I, I mean, at this uh, point, I feel like YouTube has become an accessory. I, I feel like you, yeah. you, a lot of very serious content creators have to move almost off-site to another, uh, you know, the sponsorship stuff is great. Maybe, like, their own website, try to do something there. Uh, the Patreon thing is, yeah. is is a start. Maybe try to create, maybe kind of expand outside of that. And, you, you know, a lot of content creators make their own merchandise, too. So that's a lot of, that's another yeah. appeal. That's another aspect of it. So, I know you one know. of the problems with going to another website is that, like, I used to follow this one channel on YouTube, and they had their own website uh, a mm -hmm. couple years after they started, and they they shut down the website after several years for the reason because, and they made the website because it said we don't want to be policed by YouTube forever. Yeah. So the idea was to move, get the entire fan base to move to this new website so they can get, you know, better videos. However, nobody used the website. Like I said, uh. it was so low that. It, was it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Despite advertising it tons, no one ever used it. Yeah. And that's the problem. A lot of content creators would love to go off of YouTube, but YouTube has a huge amount of traffic. It, it behooves them to stay on YouTube just to get more exposure. Yeah, yeah I mean, I can't tell you the last time I, I clicked on a link on YouTube and, and was to be transported someplace else. You know, I'm yeah. like when I'm on YouTube and I'm looking at videos, it's always I'm on 90% most likely to click on another video than I am to click on something that would lead me outside. So exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's tough. Yeah, it is another way that content creators are being kind of screwed over in this sense. And by the way, this is affecting YouTube right now. It will affect other websites. This COPPA thing. Yeah. Is not just made for YouTube. It's made for the internet entirely. So, yeah. you know, the idea is to protect the children. Won't somebody please think of the children? I guess. There you go. <laughs> what are you gonna do? All right. So, let's talk about our topic of the day, which is unfinished games. And this is not games that were unfinished and then canceled. These are games that were released in a clearly unfinished state uh, earlier last week or pretty early uh, on Friday, 
Pokemon Sword and Shield finally released uh, to some mixed reviews. A, a lot of reviews I'd say it's great. Some are saying it's mm-hmm. not so great. But some of the fans have been encountering some glitches. Now, some people are saying, well, you know, the NPCs are popping in and, you know, animations look bad. But as some Japanese streamers found, the game was uninstalling their game on their SD card. So what would happen is they'd play Pokemon Sword and Shield, and then all of a sudden it would crash. They'd go back to the main menu and find that all of their games were uninstalled. Wow. Pretty bad. Uh, a lot of people try to figure out what was what, what was causing this. And they said, well, it's probably just the digital versions, not the physical versions. But it was happening with the physical versions as well. And then people said, well, this is only happening on modified Switch consoles. That was not true either. It was happening on both modified and unmodified. They said, well, it's happening because of the autosave. So if you turn off autosave, you're safe. That was also found to be untrue. What they found that was likely the, the cause was the kind of SD card you have. It's um, XFAT versus FAT32. And FAT32 does not have the problem, but XFAT does. And there's a way you can switch what format you use for your SD card. I don't know how to do it. I don't even know how you check to see what format your SD card is. Um, probably through your computer. You, you could probably just look in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably. Uh, now, it should be said your game saves, like the actual save files, are fine. Because those are not stored on the SD card. It's the games themselves. They just get uninstalled. So this is more of a huge hassle rather than a complete destruction of your time and money. Hmm. So this is indicative of a larger problem, which is that games keep releasing in an unfinished state. And the developers believe, well, we'll we'll patch it after launch. We'll fix it after launch. And this is not... Pokemon, this happened to Pokemon. This happened last year to Fallout 76. Remember how Fallout 76 <laughs> released? You know, it released in such a horrible state that it it damaged it irrevocably for all time. Like, no how one could, wants to go back How to could anyone ever forget Fallout 76? It's just ingrained. Bethesda won't let you forget. I mean, especially with the constant news about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Bethesda's yeah. not going to let you forget about Fallout 76 <laughs> because every time you start to forget about it, Bethesda's like, whoa. Check out this new way we're going to screw you over. You know, it's insane. But a lot of games, this happens. They release in a state with not just like the usual amount of like bugs and glitches that games have had for all time, but they release in a state in which they're unplayable or they cause damage outside of the game. And it becomes, you can't just patch this out. The damage is done. So we're going to talk about what can be done about unfinished games and is this situation an epidemic? Like, is there an end to this? So, Tim, what do you think about unfinished games and the state of this situation? I mean, it's. I feel like it's... Well, I mean, to, to answer one question at least, how could it be stopped i mean in theory 
it could be easy. Like if if everyone was like, we're just not going to buy it. Well, then yes. maybe you know that maybe that would send don't. a pretty pretty good message to the company. Like, oh oh, we're just kidding, guys. We, haha, <laughs> we're still developing it. It's not finished. Well, you know how game good how joke companies are though. They'll, they'll tend to misinterpret things. Like nobody's buying the, our glitchy game. Clearly, people hate this genre of games. We're not going to make this genre. Right. Anymore. We're not going to make this series <laughs> right. anymore. You know, yeah. they'll, right. they'll pick that as the reason. So, even if people did that, and to those who ever boycott something, make it clear why you're boycotting it. Make it 100% clear why. So, the those in charge aren't like, why are they doing this? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, we really have been seeing a lot of this type of thing. I mean, we've had Fallout 76, of course, and it's still, still kicking around. I, I mean, I guess maybe it's Somehow. gotten a little better, but there's still, I, I don't know how much or how little content is in it, but it's, it's making headlines a lot and not for good reasons. So it feels like there's still problems there. Of course, uh, Anthem, it does still exist, but I did read again, it's, recently it's, that um, EA and Bioware they want to completely rehaul Anthem. Yeah, and this yeah. wasn't officially announced. This is sort of like rumors, rumors of a rumor. Um, but you know, claimed industry industry insiders have the word that they're going to redo Anthem, and they're either going to do a huge content revamping like. Uh, the Taken King expansion did for Destiny One, or they're just going to release Anthem Two and just redo that. Hmm. Um. I actually speaking of of uh, Destiny Two, would would you say like at launch? Would you say that was like that? Because I actually I, I didn't really play it at that time. Um. Destiny Two was severely flawed at launch. It, the campaign was fine, but it had almost no end game content. So you would finish the game, and you're like, "There's nothing to do." And then when they released end game content, it was terrible. They did Warmind, and they did um, I can't remember the other one. But they did Osiris. They released those two, and people hated them. These expansion packs because they were you you play them now, and it's like this was an expansion pack. This was nothing. <laughs> and then yeah. they released Forsaken. And it completely revitalized the game. People came back, made a lot of changes. People were really happy. On the latest expansion, Shadowkeep, I also made a bunch of changes. There's no more player levels anymore. That was one thing I noticed. You're not like, I'm level 1, I'm level 2, I'm level 3. You just have a power level. They changed how armor work, systems work. So uh, even you know, Destiny is a good example of where they launch in a certain state and they just have to change it entirely because they fucked up. Mm-hmm. But that's that's more misinformed content rather than glitches and unfinished things. Okay. Yeah, but so like, you know, like these are some like big name companies. You know, we got we have EA and Bioware. We have Bethesda. Maybe some to some extent, at least we have Bungie. So it's easy to feel like this is more of an epidemic because we have all these bigger name companies like they're supposed to be like in some ways like the, the cream of the crop 
Like they're supposed to be really high, like they have the means for high quality. Then it's just like, this isn't a cake. This is like a sloppy half baked (laughs) mess pile. What have you, is that, this is what, just a bag of flour and some eggs. What do I do with this? <laughs> you didn't even put it in the oven. What are you doing? <laughs> but, yeah, you see that, and these are like, in a lot of ways, they're the face of the industry. Yeah. And that face is like malformed and weird. <laughs> um, So you see that, and it's like, like, you just get so sad about the industry. But, you know, of course, you have, you have indies, you have smaller companies, you have tons of other games on the market but at least among some of these bigger brands you and companies yeah it, it seems like for whatever reason we just seem to keep getting these things and it's just not great yeah um and it's a matter of like games nowadays are way more complicated than they used to be there, there's a lot of moving parts and no game especially no AAA game, is going to release bug-free, glitch-free. It, it's just not going to happen. However, they should never release in a state in which they damage the game or damage your saves or present your personal information to strangers like Fallout 76 did or delete games like Pokemon is doing. It should never release in this state. It's unacceptable. Uh, David, what are your thoughts on unfinished games? So I feel like it, I agree with Tim. It is a bit of a sad state, but I think I do work on the other side. So I do. I don't. I'm not a developer, and I never. Mm-hmm. I, I've 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 only worked on um, click and play games <laughs> when I was a kid. So you know, I, I don't know a lot about development, but I do work on the PR side, and I feel like there needs to be better communication on behalf of companies. To, to, to let the public know and, and hardcore fans know that the nature of this industry has changed economically in the sense that games have become way more expensive to create and as a result of that it, it, not only that but there, there, there are more project deadlines to be met uh, than, than they were ever before just because companies need to produce more so uh, yeah. In order, in order to you know keep up their revenue and, and keep their portfolios, and then fund other games. I think what you're saying is that like they're they're basically want you to know that the state it's going to be on day one is not the state they want it to be in, or something like that. It's not the finished state. They're right. Still to be done. Right. But I, I don't think they would ever do that because they're basically be saying, "Don't buy this game yet." And, right. But but yeah. you see, the thing is is. So, for instance, by the time this comes out, it, it, it'll be a fine uh, to, to say this, but one game that I'm working on, uh, and I won't name the game, but it, the, the developers found, because right now they're going through uh, a process, uh, the process of finding bugs, right? They're debugging the mm-hmm. game, and it's in the final stages. It's going to release next week, but they found a number of bugs so far, and they're working hard to get these done by day one but we, we're we not sure that we're going to get all of them done by day one so I let as a, my job I, I let the reviewers know that there are a couple bugs um, associated with the game uh, particularly when it comes to some some finding scenarios 
and I gave him a list of bugs, and I said, you know, please keep this in mind that, you know, there are some bugs with the game, but they will be resolved in the day one patch. Here's evidence. Here are the patch notes that we have so far, mm-hmm. and that will – this is a continuing uh, – this is a process, and, and you know, uh, we're hoping to get everything done by then. And just letting the reviewer know – I've gotten a couple, you know, responses from outlets, and they said, like uh, – I won't name outlets – but mm-hmm. I've gotten a couple of responses from outlets telling me that they they appreciate it. You know, they appreciate me telling yeah. them that, listen, this isn't a perfect game. No game is perfect, but I'm letting you know up front that there are some bugs, and we found the bugs, and we're doing our work to get rid of them. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think telling the public that won't hurt. I think letting them know that we're going to get rid of them all, you know, within... Uh, 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 the law, like within launch period, within a week, I, I, I think it will hurt sales, I for sure. Um, but in the long run, I'm not sure if 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 that'll hurt a, comp- a brand, especially. I think it depends on the game too. So if the game is 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 not, you know, a, uh, it's it's not like Anthem, for instance, which is has its own ecosystem. It's meant to last for years on end right uh what is it called live service right live service game yeah if it's if if, if it's a live service game i don't think that letting people know up front hey you know there are some bugs and we're working to fix the bugs we found them already we're gonna work on them and this is like what we found already and letting the public know of that i don't think that's a bad thing especially if they they're they're thinking about making this game like a a a a, a a foundation for for you know other expansions and so on and so forth. I don't think Bungie, you know, if Destiny Three comes out and they found a couple of bugs last minute, I don't think letting people know that there are a couple of bugs would would exactly destroy the game. I think initially, again, it'll hurt day one sales for sure. You know, and, and everyone wants to boast that they had two million companies sold the fa- the first day, but in the long run, it may not be a bad thing. You know, if you want to build a sustainable ecosystem like GTA V, and you want to build a community around your game, being honest with your consumers, especially right from the get-go, I don't see that ever as a bad thing. You know, keeping people in the dark, I I don't necessarily agree with. So that's just that's my opinion. That's my two cents. Yeah, I I definitely understand what you're saying here. Um, I do disagree. I think it would. I don't see a publisher ever saying, well, we're going to tell them up front because, and we're going to be okay with them hurting our sales. Because the first week of sales, the first weekend, that's what they really care about. Right. Like, we want those really great initial sales because that's right. That's what's going to get us the bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you said about, um, I, I think the solution there, I'll, I'll get to that. But you were, you were talking about uh, reviews and how um, you know, you, you're know you telling outlets, hey, the, these are some of the bugs you might encounter, and we are working on a fix for these. And I've played, I've reviewed a couple games where I've gotten that email saying, hey, here are a few bugs that you might encounter. We're working on a fix for this. It'll be a day one patch, but it wasn't ready. It, because when... A developer puts a game out. They have to get it certified first. Uh, and at least as, as far as I understand, they have to get it certified. 
And the point between certification and release, there is, it's not like the next day. It gets yeah. certified and there's yeah. like, you know, some time between that time. Mm-hmm. But they can't work on the game in a new state because it has to release in that certified state. Right. Yeah. But they might still find bugs after the fact. So that's where day one patches come from. Because they they keep working on the game all the way up until the release. And they'll have fixes for that day one stuff. But, you know, they couldn't get it in on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have gotten that email before, and it's very appreciated. I've never found Encounter the Bugs they ever mentioned. So the bugs usually are pretty rare in general. Bugs like yeah. that are rare. Um, yeah. I think that's like a great compromise to the whole idea of telling the public, hey, here are some bugs, is mm-hmm. to tell the reviewers. Because the reviewers are tend to be more knowledgeable and a little bit more level-headed when it comes to these kind of things. The general mm-hmm. public are idiots. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. The Twitter I, mob is an, is an idiotic creature who thrashes and burns anything that looks at it the wrong way. Yeah. Um. So, by telling the reviewers, hey, here's some bugs, if you counter them, and they don't say explicitly, like, please put in your review that these bugs exist and we're going to fix them. I think that's that's, at least in my experience, that's never been explicitly told to me to do that. It's up to mm-hmm. the reviewer to be like, okay, here are some bugs you might encounter. I didn't encounter them, but they are working on a day one patch. And right. I, I've gone back and forth, like, should I mention the bugs that I didn't encounter or not? Or Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen reviews from major outlets who have said, you know, I, we've never encountered these, gu- these bugs before, but it's a possibility, and there are other yeah. outlets who have, you know, run into them. So, you know, I... I I think I think you know what you say is right. You know, you you are telling the public in a sense through a second party. You know, through reviews. So, you know, it, it is a lot like controlling the message, but it's also a lot telling your audience, being honest with your audience, and it, through your reviewers, if that makes any sense. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'll, I always feel like honesty is the best policy. And you are right. You yes. know, and, and I did mention you know that it will hurt day one sales. You know, without a doubt. But for a big game like like Anthem, um, I I I don't know. Like Activision had a vision, you know. Bioware had a vision with this game uh, about it being like ten year plan, and I think we've touched on it several times in episodes past. So it, having a day one, you know, a, a, a ten year plan, and it, it lasting, you know, uh, having weekly events and et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know. I feel like if they had just said, listen. We just launched this game, but guess what? We're gonna like it's gonna be even better, bigger and better, and we're gonna continue fixing it, fixing it, and, and doing this and that. Obviously, <laughs> Anthem is unfixable, launched an unfixable state, but but uh, yeah. I don't know. Being more forthcoming, uh, I, I think with smaller, with mid-sized publishers and small publishers, I think it's a little that's a little more of a dicey component. I agree with you, Sean. I, I feel like you do really do bank on those launch sales and you don't have the economy mm-hmm. you don't have the fi- the finances to to sustain a long project you know so you you do really you are really really banking on those launch sales so not telling the consumer about bugs it is probably the best thing to do um and letting the reviewers kind of uh, uh let the public know about it but you know for for the AAA space is 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 unique in that right now in that you know we are going in that direction where we are very online centric very live service centric so 
it's all about building yeah. a community, all about being honest with the consumers that are constantly paying, you know, to be within this sphere. So I, I don't know. I, I, I always just feel like being forthcoming from the get-go is always the right thing to do, at least from a develop a development standpoint, you know. And there's always that there's always that uh, update, you know, at the end of the week, end of the launch week, right? I, I think Bioware put put one out um, when when uh, Anthem launched, and they said, "Oh, here's all the feedback that the that the, the public gave us, and et cetera, et cetera." Mm-hmm. But and I think Anthem is a bad example in this case, just because Anthem was just unsalvageable. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you know, yeah. Yeah, well, I say honesty is the best policy. Usually, uh, mm-hmm. certainly not in business all the time is honesty the best policy. But right, the best policy is to get ahead of the uh, fallout. To, yeah, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> to get ahead of it, to basically create the narrative to be like, okay, guys, the exactly. Release, yeah. There might be some bugs. We are working on these bugs, but here are the bugs that you might encounter. Here's how either A, you can avoid them, or B, how you can fix them if they happen. Yeah. Put some power into the player sense, because that's one of the things that really frustrates the player base is that they have no agency sometimes in these situations. That yeah. They, a, a, a big problem happens, they don't know what to do about it, and the developers and publishers are radio silent. Like, I think that's what's happening with Pokemon right now. Pokemon releases in the state it has this huge bug, and as far as I know, Game Freak hasn't said anything about it. Well, Game Freak is, is relatively tight-lipped on everything when it exactly, comes to... Exactly, you can't do that. And yeah. you look at um, the game like No Man's Sky, I think it was. It released in this horrible mm-hmm. state, Yeah. and the developers didn't say anything for like a month. Mm-hmm. They were just quiet. And what happened is that allowed the narrative to be completely in control of the player base. Yeah. And you know what? kind of narrative people like to make crash and burn narratives yeah you know they don't like to make the redemption narrative they like to see that happen on its own they like to create the crash and burn so they will yeah exaggerate flaws they will make things look worse than it is that kind of deal Mm -hmm. and it's you got to have some control over the narrative in this sense yeah it it sounds like i'm saying you got to manipulate the public you got to Manipulate the story and put spin on it, and that's not necessarily what I'm saying. But I know it does sound like that. But no, but but you do you do have to exercise control. You know, you do yeah. have it is manipulation in a way. You know, you do have to. Whenever I see, you know, like a, a, a game that's coming out, and on IGN it says, uh, you know, it, this happens all the time. Uh, I think it happened with like the Metro games. Uh, the last one that came out, Exodus, this year, and the the developer behind it said, hey, "Listen, Metroid. huh? Sorry, is it Metroid? Metro, Metro, Exodus, Metro. Oh, you Metro, Metro. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. When do they come out with a no. Metroid game? No, Metroid. No, that Metroid. was last one was the 3DS one, I think. Uh, so when when that game came out, the developer behind it said there are some bugs with the game for sure, and here are the list of the bugs." And uh, we've already worked, you know, we've already fixed a lot of these bugs. But just to let you guys know, um, you know, we're going to patch it like day one and it's going to be resolved. So I think with that game, it's a, it's a mid-sized portfolio game. So it's a little more, you know, 
it is it is in the same league as uh, you know a, a, an EA game or an Activision game, but I think they had the right kind of perception uh, or perspective, and that was a really dicey game if you remember because that was an Epic Game Store exclusive game. So yeah, they so they, they were good. yeah they they were ahead of the story. They said, listen, there are a couple bugs. Don't freak out. We already fixed them. If you encounter them, you know, uh, if you have like a, a, a an early copy or whatever, we've already you know addressed them. We're working on the others. We're gonna fix them all, and don't worry about it. And there was nothing about like there there's no controversy surrounding the game. In in fact, it sold wonderfully, you know, uh, on the Epic Game Store. So yeah, so you know, and getting getting ahead of the narrative and controlling what this public is saying, I think it sounds so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it but but it's bad. but it's a good thing to do as as a company. It's, yeah, it, it's not manipulation that like you're lying to the public in order mm-hmm. to get them to believe one thing over another. It's telling them the truth, not maybe the whole truth, but yeah. telling them some truth. And it obviously worked for Metro Exodus because I don't remember any stories about Metro being a, a buggy, glitchy mess, and people are talking yeah. about how it crashed and burned kind of thing. It released and no one was talking about it. And so that's proof that getting ahead of the story works. Yeah. So yeah. this is also a problem like developers sometimes don't know these bugs exist. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Game Freak didn't know this whole problem could exist. I don't know how they couldn't have known. I mean, I'm sure this type of SD card exists in Japan. In fact, I know it does because yeah. this was happening to Japanese streamers. And how yeah. they just never encountered this bug. It, it's insane to me that that never happened, but maybe it did and they didn't care, or maybe it didn't somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I you think... Have... Yeah. No, go ahead. I think, I think in this scenario, yeah, they could have they prevented it. I think Game Freak could have prevented it, but I feel like the public conversation isn't necessarily a bad one. Like, if I go on Twitter right now on social media... Everyone's just really having fun with the game, you know, and and the controversy aside, uh, the just the joy of having Pokemon with them, you know, having a new Pokemon game is just kind of dominating the conversation right now. So, so yeah, you know, like having they they did they didn't do their job, you know, I, and I'm not I'm not being lenient on them in that sense, but having a good product at the end of the day is always the most important part. <laughs> right so so that that aspect of the game you know the the uh, people are re- really liking the gigantamax forms I, I see so much of that all over the place i've seen the opposite i've seen people hate really it. really like, I hate it oh i don't know maybe okay. it's perception um yeah you know leading I, my perception of what other people are saying but mm-hmm. i see people hate it because like me personally yeah. gigantamax replaced um Megaforms. Megaforms. Yeah. I never really liked Megaforms to begin with, but they kind of grew on me. Yeah. But Gigantamax, like, it's a three-turn thing and it only exists in gym battles. Like, it's yeah. worse in, like, every way. And yeah. it's weird that Pokemon <laughs> would just do away with uh, a new feature that exists, has existed for, like, two or three generations now. Yeah. And just say, no, it's gone. And it's like, that was kind of integral to, like, yeah. A lot of things like it's weird. Just get rid of that. They got rid well, of Z moves. It's just like I, I don't know. That's I, the weird thing about Pokemon. It doesn't add more features each generation to the point of content bloat. 
it adds one feature and removes two features. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's kind that of a, a weird series in that regard. But, that is true. But whatever the case um, may be, having my point is, is having a good product and in the day that people can talk about and the people could push up the neg- the positives and, and kind of ignore the negatives, it, it's always going to help, you know? And, and that that's yeah. all on the development side. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Developers, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to shift my job to the developers, you know, as, as a PR guy. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you deliver a quality product, people are going to resonate with it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go on any longer, let's get the final nail in the coffin. Tim, what can be done to curb the tide of unfinished games? What's the solution here? Well, unfortunately, there's probably not a great solution to this. I mean, a lot, of, a good amount of responsibility comes from the developers who make these, and they're, to some extent, their will to make a good quality product and actually care about what they're making. Um, I mean, of course, there's you know time constraints and resources that they have to worry about as well, but. Um, they do also have to care about what they're doing and the impact that uh, what they're making is going to have on whatever community that they're delivering to. Yeah. Uh, to another extent, I guess we have, you know, we can, consumers can vote with their money. If you don't like something, you think something's garbage and you just, you don't buy it. But um, records show that that, not enough of us get together to do that (laughs) or even if we did then well we still don't know if that would really solve it but I I guess it's gonna I don't know maybe it would take having enough unfinished games that people really get tired of it and are just like okay we're kind of done with this and then maybe eventually devs will just do less of it or something or I don't know I don't know I, I don't know if the best solution is to wait till the problem becomes so unbearable that we just don't play games anymore. <laughs> it's the best solution, but it is a solution, I guess. Uh, David, uh, what is the solution to unfinished games? You know, uh, Tib, uh, voting with money is, is, is a good solution from the consumer part, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I also think from a development side... Uh, scheduling changes uh i i think we're we're having this conversation now from from a lot of publishers uh talking about the strains of development and talking about work-life balance and 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 just kind of extending development time so that people aren't as pressured anymore and, and i think this factors in there giving a longer development time so that we can q a more and we can test out games more, and, and just and just come out with a, a, a quality prob, uh, product at release. I, and you know, I'm not with with technology progressing the way it is. I don't expect games to be perfect ever, just because you know there 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 are so many things that can go wrong um, with with a game. And you know, I I am thankful that we have patches and and. We have uh, mm-hmm. expansions and stuff like that that can remedy those fixes. Um, but at the same time, I, I do feel, and I'm going to reiterate what I said before, uh, that developers do need to deliver a quality product from the get-go. 
there are no excuses, you know, uh, behind delivering something that's just unplayable uh, uh, at, at launch date. And uh, I, I do feel like that part of that conversation has to come with the publishers and how well they they schedule games and how well they they factor in time um, to uh, a reasonable time to to their teams. So uh, you know, I I think it'll change, and I think we'll have more. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll have it. We'll see a shift where we can, uh, you know, allocate more time to to game development and make sure that that the game is a quality product at release. But I don't think that that'll happen overnight. I think it'll uh, it'll take some time. And <laughs> I know I said time two twice in the same sentence. But uh, in in the meantime, I think being honest and 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 being forthcoming and saying, hey. We didn't we didn't deliver what we wanted to at release, but now we are, and and here's a patch, and we're we're trying our best to just rectify the the situation, and um, you know just just being honest really goes a long way. You know, it, it, being proactive too. You know, controlling the the conversation goes a long way too. So I guess the short answer to that question is honesty and being proactive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. As for me, I think there there's several solutions. Some of them impossible. Some of them more likely. Um, one is stop making hundred million dollar games. Stop stop making these overly complicated games. Um, yeah. It was said on a YouTube channel about movies, uh, Red Letter Media. Uh, they just talked about movies, and I said rather than make one one hundred million dollar movie that might flop, you could have made. A hundred one million dollar movies, yeah, and gotten back like a hundredfold of your money because, you know, even if like ten percent of those are successful, you get a lot of money back. Like, it's, so, yeah. I understand that developers have started to have continuously made games more and more complicated as a way of one up one upping the last generation or even the last game that in that series. And I sympathize with that perceived requirement. But you don't... Look at some of the games that have become the most beloved games of all time. Things like Undertale. That, that didn't cost like $10 million to make. I don't even think it cost like a $1 million to make. That was just some one person making that. You know, you look at Shovel Knight. These indie games, very smaller games that are beloved and make tons of money. So developers and, and I should say more like publishers need to realize that to get a lot of money in, in a return, you don't need to pump a lot of money into it and make an overly complicated game. Now, I don't think that's going to change the industry. That, that, that level of thinking is not going to come into play. I would love it if most studios would like release like one or two of these huge AAA games and yeah. then a bunch of smaller games... You know, throughout yeah. the year, just just do it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, the other solution is spend more time working on the game. Yeah, uh, a game released in an unfinished state is because they didn't have enough time to finish it. That's it. I don't think a game released in an unfinished state ever because they ran out of resources. Yeah, it's like, time. Well, we got to ship yeah. it now because we don't have any money. I don't know how often that. I think it's usually time. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. But, like, for example, the Pokemon Sword and Shield. It was said by the developer, the head developer, 
that they started to work on the game in summer of 2017. And so they've taken, let's say, about two years, a little over two years to work on this game. That's a very short amount of time for a franchise of this size. And for Switch games in general, they usually have a lot more time. You look at Astral Chain, and they've been working on that for like five years. You know? Yeah, yeah. So if they had just taken more time with this, they they, they might have made a better game. They would have made a better game, actually. It wouldn't have been worse. I guarantee it, w- it wouldn't have been worse. So Nintendo needed their more. November, they needed their holiday 2019 game for Switch, you know? I guess that must have been it, because what other holiday Switch game is coming out, you know? So Nothing. I guess they, they needed that that selling game, I guess. But in that regard, there's nothing the developers can do if the if the publisher is pushing them to do something. Yeah, The publisher is the money, and the developers have to bend over backwards for that. I, I did a, an interview recently with a guy who worked with um, worked at Blizzard, and he worked on World of Warcraft uh, from... I know he worked on Classic. He might have worked up to Wrath of the Lich King, but I know he worked on Classic. And I asked them, you know, how involved is Activision with the formation, development, and upkeep of a Blizzard game? And he says, not at all. Activision isn't involved at all. They let Blizzard do whatever they want. And I don't know if that's common for most publisher-developer relationships. Well, I think think Blizzard is a special case because that isn't that... Isn't that a joint kind of merger? Wasn't that a joint merger? Like, uh, didn't didn't Blizzard retain a lot of its independence from Activision? It, Blizzard retained a lot of its independence, but I wouldn't say it was a joint merger. Okay, because Vivendi, I think it was like Vivendi owns Activision. Gotcha. So Vivendi has Activision. It bought Blizzard and it just sort of whoop, put them together. Gotcha. For gotcha. some reason, mm-hmm. I, um, I guess so they can share resources. Mm-hmm. But you know, more time on your game. But I don't think that's going to happen because people demand certain a certain pace for their releases. Yeah. And so that might be hard to do. So the other solution is if a game has to be released in an unfinished state, you need to get ahead of the narrative and you need to have some honesty. You need to say, here are some bugs that you might encounter. And especially bugs that might damage either a save file the game itself, or other games on the system, or other hardware. I'm just reading an article, read an article recently, where it says Sword and Shield was actually causing Roku devices to crash and end an endless boot cycle, and enter an endless boot cycle. Jeez, like, like, how the hell does this happen? Pokemon released in such a horrifyingly unfinished state. It's unacceptable. Wow. And Nintendo absolutely has to honor any request for refunds. Nintendo doesn't like giving refunds. They're going to court recently saying that they refuse to give refunds to European customers for pre-orders, uh, which violates European law. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that, that came out recently about that, but it's you unacceptable to release this, a game in that state. In that instance... If your game is in that state, honesty isn't going to save you. Yeah. Saying, hey guys, by the way, this game might crash your other games and your hardware (laughs) and your Roku devices. That's unacceptable. The answer to that will not be, we understand. Thanks for letting us know, and we'll be sure to be proactive about this. The answer to that is, 
Okay, um, look, Home Depot is having a sale on pitchforks and torches, so let's go on ahead and get down there, and then we'll have our mob ready to go take on Game Freak, because that's unacceptable. <laughs> and I'm waiting for Game Freak to either A, release a statement saying, our bad, and or B, saying, here's the patch that fixes all of this. Yeah. Because, holy crap, we fucked up. This is bad. Yeah. It, I, I know it's not the first tenet of making games. I'm sure the first tenet is to make a fun and good game. But I'm sure one of the top five tenets is your game shouldn't damage itself. It shouldn't destroy <laughs> other hardware. Yeah. It shouldn't be an active force of destruction. <laughs> I think that applies to any product unless it's designed <laughs> to destroy things like unless you make black holes unless you make black something. holes exactly unless you unless you make like you know bombs in which case yes it's supposed to destroy things but even that's like it should destroy things in the way you want it to it yeah. should just go off in your hand <laughs> this is bad so the solution it's hard to say any solution that there is is pretty much going to be unobtainable by the industry because it would require too much of them and when i say too much of them i mean it would require them to give up too much money the best solution that works for both us and them is to get ahead of a game's release and say hey there are some bugs here are the major ones you might encounter here are the fixes for or here's how to avoid it we are working on the day one patch it will be out it will fix it but if you have this version be aware this is a problem so it's just it's frustrating and it's a cause because games have become more complicated but even games are industries like bloodstain released in the state where it would crash it reached a uh, not a soft uh, a crash but like a soft lock where you couldn't progress in the game because a certain item wasn't available to regress and they had to release a day one patch. But it wasn't even a day one patch. It was like a day two patch. And by yeah, that point, people already that. played the game up to that point. So yeah. It's rough. Mm. And there's no easy solution. But there are clear solutions. And it's up to the developers and the publishers especially to make some radical changes. Because the unfinished game epidemic is getting worse and worse. And not just like there's more and more unfinished games. But the unfinished state is worse and worse. So, anyway, that has been our show. Thank you for sticking with us. We will be back next week. Um, I'm, of course, always joined by Tim Ronan. You can find him on KingGamer.com. He writes articles. And David Lazoda. David, where can people find you? You find me on Twitter at Xenocreator125, on Instagram at Xenocreator125. Find me on my website, DavidJosephLazada.com. Fantastic. And for me, you can find me on KeatonGamer.com. I recently wrote, uh, like I said, an interview with um, John Stats. He did a uh, level designer for World of Warcraft. He did a new book recently, the, the WoW Diary. You can also find me on Twitter at Gingerbread, D-J-I-N-N-G-E-R underscore bread. And thank you all again for joining us next week. We will be 20... Hope to see you there. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.